Welcome to the Millennial Success Stories podcast, a space for millennial women entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and those who dare to forge their own path. My name is Jackie Kossoff, and I'm a marketing strategist and success coach, multi-passionate entrepreneur, writer, traveler, and history lover. The mission of this podcast is to uplift, inspire, and empower young women to create a life that reflects their own version of success. I believe in sharing our experiences so we may learn from one another and grow together as a community. In season three, I invite you to join us as we peel back the layers of success and discover what it truly looks like to create success in our businesses and lives. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey and grow your own marketing business, I encourage you to sign up for a success breakthrough call where we'll have the opportunity to connect personally. Now, without any further ado, for those of you ready to write your own success stories, let us begin. And always remember, success has no age requirement. Welcome to this episode of the Millennial Success Stories podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. My guest for this episode is Jen Ewan. She literally pronounces her name like the word genuine, and that's how she introduces herself as well. So I think that's pretty awesome. (laughs) But Jen is pretty awesome for many other reasons. She is a serial entrepreneur, financial coach, and the founder of The Plagettes, which is a community where women can join to learn more about mastering their finances. In this episode, Jen gives some absolutely amazing insights and shares some of her personal experiences, her personal journey, the journey of some of her community members, just in terms of mastering your finances, how to have financial conversations, whether in business, whether in your personal relationships. And that is something that I think is so important because As entrepreneurs, we are dealing with money, whether we like it or not. (laughs) We are in business to support ourselves. We are in business to pursue our financial goals. And it is so important that we break down this taboo of talking about money. And that is one of Jen's main missions, which is why I invited her on the show in the first place. (laughs) So before we dive into my conversation with Jen, I wanted to invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews help this show get in front of more listeners just like you who are looking to grow their businesses and make a bigger impact in the world. So thank you so much for supporting the show. And without any further ado, let's get into my conversation with Jen. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. All right, let's go ahead and have you start us off. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and how you got to where you are today. So I know that can be a loaded question. So (laughs) feel free to give the long version, the short version, the medium version, whatever version you want to give. Yeah, well, I'll start off short and we'll see where the conversation goes because I love I love listening to your podcast and, uh, and having these conversations around success. And I love talking about money. So I think we'll dig into quite a bit of it, but my name is Jen Ewan and I am the founder of the Plagettes, which is a personal finance community for women to take an active role in their finances. It is certainly where my heart is. Um, but you know, like many entrepreneurs, self-employed people, I have multiple sources of income, which help me build the life that I want and live a life that is values aligned 
and goals aligned. So um, in addition to the pledgets, my husband and I actually just sold our first existing business that we bought, which was a franchise restaurant. We also have real estate investing. We do freelancing. Um, and we try a lot of different things out and we take some risks, but they're very uh, intentional money moves that we uh, make with some good financial confidence. Awesome. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of, yeah, diving deeper. So let's see, why don't we start like with kind of how you got started? Like, how did you get started just in terms of, of finance and also, you know, helping other women uh, with their, with their personal finance journeys? Yeah. So I um, am very grateful. I grew up in a family that openly talked about money. My parents did a fantastic job about talking about money with my brothers, my sisters, and I the same way. I learned that money is choice. If I have a dollar, I can save it, spend it, invest it, donate it. Hopefully I don't drop it on the ground um, <laughs> and lose it, but um, that money gives us lots of choices. And so I think with the idea of of we have all of these choices, what I found in the personal finance space is that there's a lot of, I did this five years ago, following my footsteps um, and very narrow scope of the way that we can build wealth and earn money when in reality, there are seemingly limitless ways that we can make money. And so I built the Pledgeettes as a financial community where each week we bring in a different speaker to talk about their favorite money topic. So we talk about the emotional side of money with money mindset, our money narratives, our money blocks. We go a little woo-woo and talk about astrology and sacred money archetypes. And then we get into these niche topics around self-directed IRAs, day trading, impact investing, real estate investing, um, passive income streams outside of real estate investing. Um, and we really just get to bring all these different voices and all these different perspectives into our community so that each individual person gets to make financial choices that are aligned with their goals and their values. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's so, I think it's so important because especially as women, I feel like there's less opportunities to like get into finance or to talk about finance or, you know, things like that. And, and just speaking from a personal story, like, you know, my sister is a financial planner and she a financial advisor and, you know, for her, she definitely has, I think, noticed since in her early career, um, that, it definitely still is very, still is very male dominated. And there are a lot of people who, um, who don't even think that she necessarily has, um, like they won't listen to her essentially because mm -hmm. she's a young woman and they're like, well, what do you know about money? Right. So, um, so I think we're still, we're still kind of battling those, um, you know, those stereotypes and yeah. uh, societal norms. And so I just think it's so great that you have this community where you're really, um, you know, empowering women to learn about these things that I think a lot of, um, yeah, there's just not as many opportunities, I think, for, for us to, um, to learn about or for people to, to take us seriously. Yeah. And I loved what you said about like this perception that a young female may not have the experience or the knowledge to help us invest in ways that will build wealth. 
Well, okay. We need to let go of that money narrative and that perception. And I think the beautiful thing that I've learned with the pledgeettes is, you know, there are these perceptions and stereotypes of what a financial advisor is or what a wealthy person is. And I have found so many different financial professionals that aren't our perceived norm. So, you know, there, there are, there is a person, there is a financial advisor out there for you. There are financial professionals that can fit where you are in your personal economy, what your financial goals are and what your relationship with money is. Cause it's not all about dying with the most amount of money. You know, we all have these unique goals. We all have these unique values. And I think it's so awesome that there are different types of advisors. There are all these financial professionals and you just have to seek out the right fit for you as you build your personal financial A team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's so true. And when you were talking, I just, it just reminded me, like I had a friend um, tell me, I think like last year or something like um, his, his parents are pretty well off. Um, and so you would imagine that they would be like leaving their, um, their wealth to their children, but they actually told, told them um, that they were going to spend it all. Like they were like, no, this is ours. Like we're spending yeah. it, like we're not leaving it for you. And so then he's kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I have to like <laughs> build my own wealth. Like, so it was. Yes. And it's so funny. true. And it's, it's fascinating. I've been like learning more about like the boomer generation and, um, yeah, there's a lot of fascinating things about them, but your friends' parents are not the only boomers that I've heard that um, are, they're kind of like this make it generation of like, you've got to do everything on your own because I did without acknowledging all the societal benefits and programs that they have received, that they have had, had access to, the influence that they have had on our economy and how they have... Um, sadly guided the funds and the policies and everything to benefit them without thinking about the other generations. Hmm. Boomers are hoarding wealth. They had the, they held the majority of the wealth in our country when they were in their late twenties and thirties. And since then, Mm -hmm. so millennials do not hold the majority of the wealth, even though at their age, at when boomers were millennials ages, they <laughs> held the most wealth. So it's, mm-hmm. there's, oh man, you can go yeah. down a rabbit hole if you want to learn yeah, about like the a, boomers. Yeah, like a generational <laughs> finance thing. I saw this video. Um, yeah, I saw this video like last week or something. And it was about kind of like the very short video, but it was about like differences of um, like finances and careers of like baby boomers versus like, you know, Gen Xers versus millennials versus now Gen Zers. And so it was like, um, and it, it, was, it was like two minutes. So like, it didn't really get into, you know, deep stuff, but it was just like a nice intro of like, wow, like, yeah. So I, I definitely did get the sense. I'm like, there's a lot there. Like, there's <laughs> a like, lot there. Get into, yeah. Like generational finance stuff. And um, yeah. yeah. The Pledgettes is working on the gender wealth gap. So mm-hmm. we want to abolish the gender wealth gap. Male version of you will have three times as much wealth at retirement age or over a million dollars more than you at retirement age because men typically um, earn more money 
they take fewer breaks. I put breaks in quotes, um, (laughs) in their career to take care of kids, to take care of aging parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and they invest earlier and more often. And so we focus a lot on the gender wealth gap. There are also racial wealth gaps. There are generational wealth gaps. Um, there are so many wealth gaps and statistics that you can look at from different lenses and what's going to close all of those is talking about money Mm -hmm. is giving people opportunity, giving people financial confidence. So I think the beauty of financial literacy is that nobody is born with financial literacy. Those who have it set the intention and took the action to increase their financial literacy. So whatever your learning style is, if it is reading a book, taking a course, joining a community like the Pledge Ads, attending an event, having one-on-one conversations, you have choices of the way that you want to increase your financial literacy. So I'm challenging everybody who's listening right now, do one thing today to increase your financial literacy. One thing, watch a two-minute video on the generational wealth gap, and hopefully then you'll get down a rabbit hole where you want to learn more and more and more, but it always just, it starts with one small action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I want to, I want to pick up on what you said about, you know, just talking about money more, because I think that's definitely something that, that I um, have started doing in my own kind of personal journey. Um, and I think that it's still very, like talking about money is still very taboo. And especially when we're talking about like with our friends, like, you know, with our, and with our, um, you know, with our female friends, right? Like, I think a lot of times, like, you know, I'll I'll talk to, I'll talk to some of my close friends. And when I mention like what I might be going through with money, whether it's good or bad, like they just kind of freeze. Like they don't even know how to respond. They're like, oh my God, like (laughs) she said the M word or whatever. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) so what, um, what tips or, you know, words of wisdom do you have to, to, just kind of either a like you know get the conversation started or b like you know for those who may be like my friends who just kind of freeze like how can they kind of get started on um you know on responding and and making that less taboo yeah so um I would say like money conversations, we're already having them. We just don't identify them as money conversations, but they're happening like deciding where to go out with your friends that's a money conversation, even though you're not talking about dollars and cents. So I, I say money conversations are a lot like peeling back the layers of the onion, those outer layers that first, where you're just like taking off the hard part, like the skin, I guess, of an Mm -hmm. onion, there's no tears yet. You're just, it's nice and easy. Like, okay, I can peel an onion. And there are a lot of money conversations you can have on the outer edges of, of, uh, the onion. So what was your first money memory? How did you earn your biggest raise? How did you choose your credit cards? You know, all of these are money conversations where I'm not going to say, Jackie, can you rattle off all the balances of your bank accounts? (laughs) Like that would make anybody shrivel and be like, heck no, this conversation is over. Um, the other thing I recommend is don't try to fit it all in one conversation, create some safe boundaries and know like anybody that you want to talk about money with today is not the day, the last day you're ever going to talk to that person. So you don't need all the answers. You don't need to have the entire conversation just today. 
create some boundaries, whether it's like, we're going to set a timer for five minutes. And when the timer goes off, we both can tap out of the conversation or we can keep going. And then maybe you set the timer a little bit longer each time. When, um, so my husband and I, we have money dates that we call state of our union meetings and we have an agenda. So we put it on our shared calendar and in the agenda, it's where's all the money. So we go through, like, we actually talk about all of our balances because, you know, we share it. We should both know, um, how are we making money? So we kind of do a business health check. As I mentioned, we've got a few different sources of income and businesses that we're managing. So we go through the business health check. Um, how are we spending our time and our energy? And does that align with our goals and our values? Sometimes, you know, we might have a great paying client, but it's totally draining us. We're in a bad mood. That is not how we want to be spending our time and our energy. So we can talk together and like problem solve around like, all right, well, when can that project end? And what does that do for our finances? And how does that align with our goals? And we um, also make big financial decisions in those meetings. So if we are thinking about buying or selling some real estate, if we have a big goal that we're working towards, um, or if there's anything like we need to talk about, we're kind of in the zone of like very in tune with our numbers right there. But then also last March, my husband added a dog to the agenda and the next month we adopted a dog. So it's kind of this place where it's like, we're very intentional. We both can come in prepared, um, which works for our personalities and the way that we like to have these money conversations. So, you know, don't feel like it's a one size fits all. You have to do these three things to have a successful money conversation. Do do what works best for you and your partner or you and your friends or you and your family, but, um, keep having these money conversations. Yeah, no, amazing. Um, and how often do you and your husband have your, your money check-ins, your state, state of the unions? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we don't get a gold star on this. It, it comes in waves. Um, sometimes we have them every month. Sometimes it'll go, you know, three or four months before we, before we have one, it just kind of depends on, again, our big things that we, you know, set intentions on and, and the resources we have our time, money, and energy. And if we're kind of head down grinding out a project, like we're not going to, we're probably not going to pause that month and say like, we should have a state of our union, but you know, don't go a whole year without having one. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, it, it really, it, it, it's what works for you guys. I know there's a member in the pledgeettes and she's been married to her partner for 17 years. They historically have only talked about money when it's a stress, when there's a problem, like the credit card bill came and it was higher than we thought we lost a client and we're not going to have as much income. And so if, if blame and shame show up and stress, you're not going to have a positive money conversation, but now they have regular state of our union meetings. And at first there were cocktails and there was a timer and there was a very narrow scope of what they were going to talk about. And, you know, they've been doing this for about a year now. And she said it has been game changing in their relationship. They have actually paid off all of their debt minus their mortgage. And 
now it's really fun because now they're planning on like, how are we investing? Like, and they're taking some calculated risks. They have some money in crypto. They have money in their primary residence. They have money in stocks and, and now it's fun. They have this shared goal. They have these things to celebrate together. Um, so even if you have been married for decades and you have only talked about money when it's stressful, you can turn that around because you got the rest of your life to talk about money and the rest of like, you can't break up with money. It's going to be in your life forever. So nurture yeah. that relationship and the relationship you have with your partners in that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, um, I think that's so, that's so key. And, you know, for, um, for me, like I, right now it's just me. <laughs> like, so when I have my, I have my like little money dates, and, um, I'll normally do like weekly check-ins. Um, and then I'll do like a end of month, you know, kind of, uh, you know, where kind of like, okay, like what did this month look like? Right. And like yeah. figuring out, okay, like kind of what, what's going to be different about next month. Um, I'll sort of, you know, try to, um, look at where I might have room for flexibility or whatever that looks like. And, um, and then I also do quarterly, um, like quarterly reports for my, for my CPA. So, yes. <laughs> so that's also really helpful. And I feel like I used to avoid money. Like when I first started my business, like I just wouldn't, wouldn't look at it. And that was very problematic. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. And so I'm married, but I also, I run the pledgeettes. It's, it's my business. He's mm -hmm. not in this business. Um, and so every Friday morning at 9 a.m., I have a calendar invite. It is my Pledgeettes business health check meeting. And it's fun. Like I, I look forward to it every week. I track all my transactions for the week. I look at some PL reports that I do. Um, and then I also track other KPIs. So whether that's like marketing or revenue goals or, you know, the different goals that I have in my business that are meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing too, about money and, you know, these money dates, even if you're having them with yourself, um, what's important to you, what's motivating you, what's exciting to you. And if you are avoiding like integrate it into something that makes you excited. So if, you know, if the marketing aspect of your business is exciting, celebrate your marketing wins and celebrate your financial wins at the same time and do it all together. So it doesn't feel like something you want to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, um, and for me, I'll just kind of throw this, throw this tip out there. Like I was not like, uh, like I had never really done like a financial, like, um, like, you know, Excel sheets or anything. Uh -huh. Like I hadn't really had that before. Like, you know, I'd maybe had like a budget book or something like, you know, that was, um, but I found like a, a free template like that was like a business like you know um expense slash transaction like all the stuff um yeah. and it has like the profit and loss it has like you know all those things and that um and like even though like I really didn't know like what was going to be in there when I <laughs> when I opened it for the first time like I just um committed to like, I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to learn whatever it is. Like, yes. you know, and I was like, it might not make sense right now, but like, 
I'm going to take the time to figure it out. And, um, and so I've been using that same template for, this is going to be my third year using it. Yeah. And it's just, it's definitely made like such a big difference in my business and, um, and also my life, (laughs) I would say, obviously. So, um, and then I even realized like, uh, the first year, year and a half that I was using it, I was like using it incorrectly. So it wasn't calculating Mm -hmm. my stuff correct, like correctly, which, um, was a little, a little disconcerting when I realized that I was like, oh, wait, like that's not correct. Like, you know, and I was like, I was like, oh, but luckily it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't like, yeah. you know, losing tons of money or something like that. It was just like the numbers at the end were not correct because I was filling it out wrong. So then I just went back and I was just like, okay, like fill it out correctly. Um, but I just wanted to share that just because I hope that if anybody was like listening and they're like, like, yeah, I don't even know where to start. Like that's right. like, that's how I started. And I wasn't even doing it correctly for like a year and a half. Just, and I think that's the thing is like, just start. And then you get to like ask questions and bring people in. Like, I think so often with business, well, one as women entrepreneurs, like, I think we're, there's this narrative that like, we have to be the expert in everything. We have to be the expert in marketing and sales and finances and operations and all the things in our business. And then I think we get to a point in our business where we get to make choices of outsourcing and hiring. And, you know, people are like, I just don't want to think about the numbers. Like, I'm just going to like hire a fractional CFO or a bookkeeper or CPA or the financial professionals that can help us in this. But I encourage you to fall in love with your numbers because that can help you make confident business decisions that can help you, you know, see the health of your business. And I think when you have the tools, whether it's a template or somebody helping you build the right template for you to take an active role in your business finances, as well as your personal finances, it can give you a lot of financial confidence to, to make money moves, to find that success that you are aiming for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So good. (laughs) Um, okay. So I feel like, I feel like I normally ask these sorts of questions at the end, but we sort of like switched the conversation. So we got into money first. We'll get into the success <laughs> questions next, but I did want to ask, I wanted to make sure that I asked, are there any like resources or books that you would recommend, um, that might be, you know, helpful for women who are, who are listening, who, you know, may also be entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, um, that you feel that they should, um, or that they could look into. Yeah. So I, I learn by, by listening and generally following a PowerPoint presentation. So (laughs) of course I built the pledge ads community where we have these weekly events with awesome speakers, but our members were community. So our members are sharing their different learning styles. So we have some courses. Um, we have a member that is running a, um, a three month group coaching program right now. We have another, and she's a accredited financial counselor, which is another financial professional you might want on your financial aid team. We have another member who's an avid reader. So we have a book club and um, on bookshop.org, you can search the pledgeettes and you can find the books that we have read in book club and also books that our speakers have and our members have recommended. Um, There's some really great ones out there. Um, on our Instagram, we share a lot of different sources of, of improving your financial literacy. So I think it's just asking questions and what learn, what 
you know, works for your learning style. I have learned quite a bit from one-on-one money conversations that I've had with, um, my mother-in-law's husband started a self-directed IRA. And I was like, what my husband and I are like, what the heck is that? And so he shared, like, this is a company that I used. And we started, we started watching videos about it and reading about it and doing the research and having a conversation with the company that they used for a self-directed IRA. And then that became part of our financial plan. So we do have a self-directed IRA, which is pretty cool. Um, I learned about real estate investing from my dad who learned about it from, um, a, he bought this course from an infomercial that was a bunch of CDs Mm -hmm. (laughs) and him and my sister, like learned about real estate investing that way and bought their first, uh, fourplex. Um, and so I think it's like, just ask the questions and start these conversations. And you just don't know when you're going to have a right time, right place, money conversation, even some of the stuff like my husband's learning about now, like DSTs and um, different opportunities that you have to invest in businesses before you're an accredited investor. And then what happens when you become an accredited investor in that process, like just learn with curiosity and you will find all of these opportunities for ways that you can invest and build wealth um, and take an active role in your finances that can be super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. Um, I'm like, (laughs) I'm just like, that was a way to, I feel like, end strong for the, for the money conversation. I was like, should I ask another question? But like, that was so good. Okay. Um, We'll still probably keep talking about money in the next session. We can always come back to it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Sounds great. Um, And thank you so much for sharing. I know that was Um, like, I just, I can already tell, like we, um, this is going to have, there's so many like things that I think listening, even just, you know, me listening as I'm talking to you, like, I'm like, wow, yes, like we can put this into action. Um, so yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for the tips. Um, okay. So let's get into our success conversation for, for this episode. Uh, so let's start with what is your personal definition of success? So this has certainly evolved throughout my life. I think um, in my early 20s, I I did what I should with my money. And so I contributed to my 401k. I bought real estate. I didn't spend above my means. Um, and I thought like my goal of success would be like, the corner office at an agency. I wanted to be like the managing partner of, well, no, in my early twenties, I wanted to be the executive director of a nonprofit. And so I started like building out the network skills and experience I would need to become an executive director of a nonprofit. I like used to look at all the job descriptions and, and find out like what, what I needed 10 years from now. And I was working towards that. And then it shifted and I wanted to be like the managing partner of an ad agency a creative agency. And so then again, I looked at like, what are the skills network and experience that I would need for that job? And all along the way, I'm like, I know if I have money, that's going to accelerate achieving my goals. So I don't, I'm not really clear what life is going to look like at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, but I'm going to be smart with my money. Cause I know money's going to get me there faster. Um, and then 
I worked um, for an agency that, that had a lot of freelancers. And so then I had this, this goal of success of becoming a freelancer. And so again, kind of went through the process and then meeting my husband. Um, I really admired his relationship with money and defining success. And so we have a vision of giving opportunities to those who aren't always afforded them. So bringing money conversations to people who didn't grow up in families that had money conversations, looking at business ownership of how can we help people own businesses if that's one of their goals and desires. We don't want to force anyone to own a business because <laughs> yeah. not everyone needs to be a business owner. Um, yeah, yeah but- you know, like helping others and, and giving opportunities to others is our overall vision. We currently, um, in 2016, we set a 10-year goal to become financially independent. And to us, that definition is that our our needs budget is met by recurring income. And then we get to take projects without comp- work projects without compensation being the number one factor. Um, and that has evolved in the last 10 years. And, and we are going to hit that goal ahead of schedule. And that feels really good because in 2016, that felt like a crazy big goal that we weren't going to achieve. But I think I am, I'm successful now. I get to spend time, my time and energy and money in ways that are values aligned and goals aligned. I'm grateful for the life that we have. And it's not about a dollar number or, um, a specific number at all. It's, it's about how I get to wake up every morning and, and how I use my money, time and energy. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) no, I love that. I think that we all, our definition of success is constantly changing and shifting. And I think that's like one of the number one things that I've learned from having this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And as it should, I think that's like, if you had to, if 22 year old me had to determine what my life was going to be like at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, like God help us all. Like, <laughs> could you imagine what 50 year olds would be like if they had to follow what 22 year old them had to be? No, I think it's so funny, especially because like when you, like when you are 22, like you just feel like you're, you know, like on top of the world, you know, like you just graduated college, you probably have your first job. You're like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, you know, and oh my God, it's hilarious. But (laughs) And it is awesome, but there's also really good stuff that's going to (laughs) come. Exactly. Yes. There is like the best is, is still ahead. So yes. Yes. Okay. So next question. Um, what business and life achievements do you consider to be your biggest successes so far? So, um, in college, I was the director of concerts through our student government, and I had the first sellout concert at our pavilion at the university of San Diego. It was Jack Johnson when he was just making music for his surf DVDs. And, um, I remember standing in the pavilion that day 
as everything was getting set up. And I called my mom and I just said, this is the best day of my life. This is going to be better than my wedding day, best day of my life. Like it was such a huge achievement and it, I felt all the feels and I relished in that feeling that day. Um, so that was a big one. And then, um, advocating for a raise. Um, I tripled my income over almost six years at an agency by understanding the quantitative and qualitative value that I brought to the agency and our clients and, and advocating for myself in that, um, going from full-time to freelance, buying my first official investment property. I was doing house hacking in my first two properties that I bought. Um, but buying my first investment property was really cool. Going from full-time to freelance, buying an existing business, starting a business. I, I'm really proud of myself. This is fun to talk about Jackie. <laughs> well, that's awesome. No, oh my gosh. So now I'm thinking like, let's all like, if you're listening, like make a list of all your successes, like, because totally. yeah, it's fun. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I've done so much. Like, um, yeah, super helpful for should, those days when you can, you're just like too hard on yourself. <laughs> totally. And that should give you the confidence and the fuel to like dream bigger and set bigger goals because look back at everything you've achieved. We're all badasses. Like we've done some really cool stuff and there's the best is yet to come. We can do cooler stuff. Yeah. No. So speaking about, bigger and cooler stuff. What does your next level of success look like? Uh, well, so, um, we bought an existing franchise restaurant in 2018, three and a half years ago, and have just sold that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think like we've been in this zone of what's next, what's next, what's next for our entire life. And we're actually like going to take a nap. We are right. going to pause a little bit. We have, you know, we we're certainly working on some big goals and some big stuff, but I think like we want to just take a break and a pause point and see where we're at and what we want to do next and what opportunities are coming our way. Um, it has been fascinating in the self-employment world since we've both been self-employed since 2017 that sort of whenever one project ends, opportunities start coming. And I didn't believe that for a long time. And so if you are like shaking your head at me right now, as you're listening, I've been that person, I've shaken my head at myself, but what we have found and experienced in our life is that when, when one chapter closes, it's a choose your own adventure. There are going to be, um, paths and choices that you get to make going forward. And some are short paths and, and, and quickly, and some are our next big, long chapters and, and to just, um, have confidence that you're capable of making money. You're capable of doing big things and the right opportunities are going to come to you. And you're also going to seek out the right opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that, I also think that's something that, um, we need to hear like at every stage, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, because I think it can be like, like you were saying, like, it can be so easy to be like, oh my gosh, this, you know, this large project or whatever it was like, this just closed, like, like what's next? Like, you know, feeling like, like kind of scrambling, you know, and figuring yes. out like, oh my God, like, like this is terrible. Right. Like, <laughs> um, and sort of like keeping yourself stuck, I think by not seeking out those opportunities and not having faith that they're like you, you completed that phase, that project in order to move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. And I think like so often, you know, we're told to just like keep going and more and bigger and better and da, 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 da. And so when I was in 2010, I took a sabbatical from my career and, um, went and volunteered at a nonprofit in Peru. And I had all that negative self-talk of like, this is going to put me back in my career. I, I don't know, like if I'm going to find a job after I'm done with this and that, that reset in my career, I, I came back stronger. I came back ready to work. I came back with fresh perspectives and fresh energy and, and ready to dive in. And I did take a four month contract position at first before I took another full-time job. And so there was like a, a stepping stone, um, there, but that sabbatical, that pause in my career did not take me back 10 steps. And so, you know, I think it's like always question, like, why do I believe this? And is it true? Yeah. Why do I believe that I can't take a gap year or a sabbatical or pause to start a family or pause to go back to school? Like, is that true? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, one of my, one of my previous coaches has said, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but she just, one of the things that I keep coming back to is like, she said, if you didn't spend as much time worrying about all these things and just like doing (laughs) what it is that you like wanted to do, um, you would be like 10 steps ahead or, you know, something like that, essentially, like just the fact that we spend so much time telling ourselves we can't, instead of just like kind of, you know, pausing or quieting and just like doing, just doing it, just try it, you know? And then if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out, you know, but if we're just stuck in our heads all the time, then we're never going to get there. We're never going to, you know, even move the needle. So. Yeah. yeah. Would you rather spend 10 hours stressing filled of anxiety and worry or 10 hours testing something? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is a time that, you know, stress and worry, like let it all out, you know, have the Sunday scaries sit in the feeling of stress and anxiety for a little bit, but don't stay there too long. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Super, super important, important points. Um, so I do want to be mindful, um, of, of time. And so thinking of wrapping this up, are there any kind of last, uh, last minute, uh, stories or pieces of advice that you would give to young women who are, you know, just starting out on their 
on their journeys to success, whatever that may look like for them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I think we've talked about a lot of great things. One, first and foremost, take an active role in your finances, whether you agree with it or not, money does give us a lot of choice, freedom and flexibility, power and control and opportunities in our, in our life. So having money will accelerate your goals whenever you clarify what they actually are. So just be intentional with that. Um, Two is remember that nothing is permanent. I think especially Mm. this year, there's a lot of big shifts happening of like, you know, people who are freelancing, going back to full-time and full-time people starting their own businesses. And, and just know that like, if you left full-time work and were freelancing, that you, you have the opportunity to go back to full-time work. If that's aligned with your goals and your values, like don't feel like any decision is permanent. So just test and take risks. Don't burn any bridges along the way. (laughs) Uh, Keep building your network, your skills and your experience. Have fun, celebrate the wins and learn what you want to know. Yeah, yeah, awesome. (laughs) All right, so where can we get in touch with you? So feel free to share any websites, social media, et cetera, where people can connect with you. I spend most of my time and a lot of conversations like this at the Pledgeettes. Um, you can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at the Pledgeettes. Visit our website, thepledgeettes.com. Um, yeah, reach out to me. I love celebrating financial wins. I love celebrating success with people. I love helping people clarify their goals and setting intentions for a better relationship with money. Amazing. Well, we will have those links in the show notes. And Jen, thank you so much. This was such a, such a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Jackie. And thanks for all that have tuned in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Millennial Success Stories podcast. I would love to invite you to join our growing community of fellow millennial women entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs inside our free Facebook group, the Millennial Success Society. I also love connecting with fellow women entrepreneurs on Instagram. Find me at Jackie Kossop underscore LA. Feel free to send me a DM with any suggestions for future episodes or questions you'd like answered on the show. For all the latest show updates, exclusive resources for our listeners, or to apply to become a guest on the show, please visit the Millennial Success Stories podcast page on my website at www.jackiecossop.com slash podcast. Thank you again for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.